that all started with a thought. Serious fun. We're back. Episode six. Part two, right? Yeah, well, we're doing this thing. We're doing, we're doing part two. Got it. Well, episode six. What's good? Y'all? It's episode six, yeah. and we are back. This one is called "And I'll Mind Mine." Last week was called "Mind Your Business," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this week we're going to counter that. We had to weigh out all the seriousness with something just a little, a little lighter, a little more fun, wouldn't you say? I, I am thrilled to see it, and again, I will. We'll see it when it happens because it's been serious for five and a half episodes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is we do the best that we can with the information that we have. And sometimes the information is quite serious. Be heavy. Last week, we talked about mind control in no uncertain terms. We did. And quick side point, uh, really funny. Uh, Earlier this week, we... uh, we had a, a episode of the Getting Lifted podcast recorded by myself, Chase, and uh, Kim, and we were talking about food. We were talking about fat, sick, and disconnected is the is the name of this episode when it comes out. And uh, Kim got very hopped up, got very upregulated, got very uh, 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 stressed out, shall we say, from the conversation. Uh, you know, maybe halfway through, or whatever, and we we joked, "This is how I feel." All the time with the serious fun show. So yeah, she was like, oh, I have to like down regulate now. I got to go and like take a chill pill and like, you know, yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, this is how I feel every time we record. Well, maybe the Get In Lifted so. podcast could start implementing scheduled smoke breaks. Yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't that be lovely? Well, we can do that here. And we That's do. True. I told That's you true. I have preloaded in the volcano. I have ready part cannabis. Lovely. Which you gifted us from your own backyard. Thank you. And some focus herbs. Okay. Which shout out Alex Alex Ribchinsky. We use his uh, his focus herbs. We we love his primal fusion herbs. I'm not sponsored by him. I just happen to know the guy. He's a buddy, and he makes good herbs. So we got a fifty fifty volcano. I love it. I know it's going to be it. great. Um, Should I we think, take a smoke break? No, do you I'm, just I'm, want? I'm just kidding. I'm Dave's just kidding. already Let's worried. Let's dive in. Oh my god. So okay. Uh, last week we talked about mind control in a few different ways. Mm-hmm. Can we just, for the audience, give them a quick couple of different types of mind control that we discussed? I'm going to let you do that. Well, we yeah. talked about the penetrating energy weapon, the potential yes. energy weapon yep. that yep. was used at the beginning. Yep. That's in Havana, right? In Havana. In Havana. Yeah. A lot of uh, diplomats yep. and intelligence officers all reported that they felt something very similar. And so, yeah, that's uh, what we talked about to start the show. And although I, I probably can't, no, remove the probably, I can't do anything to help stop that type of mind control. I don't think. Totally. I don't know how much influence a guy like me is going to have on energy weapons used by institutions to potentially control people. I can't do much about that. Slim to none. Slim to none. And we talked about uh, a different form of mind control, which was like how they used media to influence us, to nudge us into certain behaviors when it came to certain medical software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, uh, we talked about who was and who wasn't 
mentioned in a lot of these things. And, you know, while I, I don't want to try to confirm any boogeyman, any CIA boogeyman out there, I just it's getting harder and harder to uh, uh, ignore that, you know, you know, hey, it's possible that there's a layer of, of happenings that are a little deeper than what meets the eye. And that word was government. Mm hmm. Yes. And then we learned through a guy named Mark Passio that government literally means in its origins was mind control, mind control. Yeah. And so what I wanted to use these two episodes back to back on is just to at least open the possibility, the window of possibility that there are things that are happening in the world that are above uh, our level of knowledge the average person and that there is at least the potential for nefarious figures to try to execute mind control, to control our thoughts and to control our behaviors. I'm opening up the window of possibility. Totally fair. It's fair to say. I think it's very fair to say. So what I wanted to do this episode was to arm the audience with some potential weapons to keep in our holster, in our own utility belt, to fend off the mind controllers out there, okay? We don't want them in our, in our spiritual, mental, or physical space. Nope. And so that is what this episode is going to be about. And I have can, I've promised to make this more fun. I got stuff packed for the fun section. Okay. Okay. So just remember, dude, okay? Fun is on the way. Excellent. And I think these clips are fun, and I think this guy is fun. Uh, and we're only this basic. This show has been produced pretty much by one person outside of myself, and that man is Mark Passio. <laughs> All of the material you're going to hear is from nearly ten years ago. It was filmed October nineteenth, two thousand and thirteen. October 19th happens to be Hallie and I's wedding anniversary. Yeah. Uh, although I don't think this is something that she and I would have attended on a wedding anniversary had we been married before 2013. All I'm just saying is numbers are there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this was nearly 10 years ago, and I, I believe that that's important context to keep in mind because, again, there's a lot of events that have transpired, especially in the last three years, that could signal that this guy had some inside knowledge that other people didn't have. Okay. Okay. Um, but before we get too deep in the weeds, this is a clip to tell people more about what this show is, what I'm doing, and I think Mark Passio says it really well. People will say, there's nothing new here. I've heard this before somewhere else. Uh, this person covers this. I've read this in this book. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I have news for you. There is nothing new here. I am not going to present anything new. I am not going to present anything that has not actually been in existence and will continue to be in existence. I'm not making up new material. I, I call myself, I, I would refer to myself, Art uh, said it the other day, actually uh, yesterday when we were having dinner. He, he said, I consider you an aggregator of material. And I love that term. I, I, I love that description of what I do. I, I am an aggregator. I bring things together into a tapestry and then help to explain it in simple and easy to understand terms so that people can readily absorb it, take it in, and then do something with that information. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we do. You're a damn good aggregator, bro. I am an aggregator. I realize I I, you know, I, I haven't invented anything, I don't think. 
Yeah. As far as I can tell, I haven't invented anything of substance to the world. So the best that I can do outside of being an innovator, that person that creates something brand new that's never been done before, is that I can at least aggregate stuff and put it together for people uh, for people in a way that can make sense of the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm that's that's what I'm aspiring to do in this deconstruction is to aggregate. Now, his personality is part of part of the reason that he is hard to listen to. Um and so what he's going to do first is that he's going to start to like the way that this presentation goes about and keep in mind this is from a nine hour presentation that he did about something called natural law which we're going to talk about but he first has to like prepare the audience to check their biases ahead of time because he knows he's going to say some things that may run into some of your biases and he's going to have us check that early So I'm going to pull him on for like 90 seconds here so he can talk to us about the types of biases that may come up when presented with new information. If anybody is coming to this seminar from the perspective of modern, organized, institutional bodies, meaning political thought, political agendas, political organizations, religion, religious thought, religious organizations. I'm talking about organized religion here, okay? What I call scientism, not real science, but scientism, science as set up by institutional bodies to be rigidly skeptical belief systems that blot out anything that could possibly say anything to the contrary of their pre-existing beliefs. I call that scientism. Okay? And of course the new age movement, which you could group that in with religion. It's just enough it's for those who don't fall into the religious mindset, this is an alternative religion proposed for them and they call it the new age movement. And I tell people, uh, please, don't think uh, this is going to uh, concur with any of these belief systems, with any of these boxes for consciousness. This presentation is going to shatter these boxes. It It stands outside of all of these because these are limiters for perception and thought. So if we want to protect our mind and we want to have control over our mind, it would be best to at least allow ourselves the opportunity to think outside of these systems. He may tell you to throw them away. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it will be uh, to our advantage to allow those limiters of consciousness to be just temporarily taken off, knowing that we can put them back on at any time. Got it. Do any of those perception boxes resonate with you most? Or do you believe that you're already outside of a lot of those boxes? Um, <clears throat> political institutions, uh, religion. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think we're all affected by those boxes in some way. We all have have thoughts or beliefs or ideas that come from those uh, those areas of life. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not immune to any of them. And I wouldn't say I'm captured by any of them per se uh at least not with full intention and knowledge on my end but you know i mean yeah we all have we're all affected by it so yeah yeah 
I think we are all affected by it, and that's part of why I'm bringing it up, is I also fall into many of these perception traps. So I need this just as much as anyone, you see. Now, what I'm... Uh, the reason I feel like you're a great person to have this conversation with particularly is because you are a expert coach in a toolkit that allows people to examine their mind in the form of stories. So you also actively engage in a toolkit mm -hmm. that is meant to protect one's own inner world. And like we've said multiple times, I believe that skill set can be turned around to view that from outside influence trying to project a bunch of story onto you, onto the public, onto many different things. And so Serious Fun as a project is examining all the different ways that things are being pressed up upon us by institutions and systems. And for us to be able to untangle that web, we need some tools. We need some tools and we need to uh, focus on the information. It's the information that's important. Okay, so here's Passio again talking about why those biases need to be checked because it's if you keep those biases, it's going to be easy to misconstrue the information. And I say this because paying attention to such trivialities will detract your own mental focus away from the information that is being presented today. And that's the worst thing that could happen because it's the information that is important, not me. Try to ignore me and focus on the content. Try to ignore him. Try to ignore me even in focusing on the content. Okay. I'm here to present the aggregate content, and I aggregated a bunch of stuff from Passio. So just keep keep the information for first and foremost. Okay can can we start Can we start there? Got it. All right, let's keep rolling. The second thing I ask people to try to do is to be consciously aware of any of your own impulses that you may have here today to immediately reject the information that is being presented in this seminar based solely upon your own initial, initial emotional reaction, your initial emotional response to this information, okay? This is a logical fallacy. Okay, you cannot think with the emotions. So if you hear something you don't like or that angers you, that's okay. Feel the emotion. But don't just immediately say that can't be true. It's and don't and don't believe me either. It's about checking it. It's about a process of truth discovery. It's about doing your own due diligence and actually researching this material. So Dave if you experience any any feelings like this guy, just feel him. Just feel okay him. To feel him. Just feel him. I've never been so irate in my whole fucking life. <laughs> you may be that guy. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. ready You're not for, that ready guy. for the fun part. You're <laughs> not that guy, Dave. That's what I'm trying. That's why we're having yeah. the conversation. You're not that guy. I'm not irate. I've never been so irate in my whole fucking life. <laughs> not me. Not yet. No. Nope. No. This isn't. This whole point is actually not to make you mad. I don't think you're going to be mad by any of this information personally. But, you know, a listener might hear this in the future and be like, hey, y'all are talking about some concepts that seem a little too far out there. And like, hey, don't pay attention to us. Just pay attention to the information. It's the information that's important. And, uh, well, I also, I, I put this clip up here to feel free to stop me, to say, stop the clip. 
okay? And talk into it. You have full permission. And this is something that I think you feel like, oh, I can't interrupt Brooks's clips. You can be like, hey, stop it, okay? Can we, can we agree to that? Got it. Dave's yeah. got, like, the full permission here, ladies and gentlemen. He's got permissions that you don't. Because when Brooks is, <laughs> Brooks, just Where remember. Where's the five fingers? Say to the face. <laughs> Slap. All right. Keep this in mind about the Serious Fun Podcast, too. We're slapping them. Doesn't care whether you don't know. Doesn't care whether you're nescient or ignorant. It's in effect. It's binding. And it is immutable. We're immutable, Dave. I love that. It's in effect. Great great term. All right. So just keep that in mind. So at any time, feel free to jump in on Mark Passio here. Uh, I think what he's about to say is hilarious. Okay. But I think it also needs to be understood. My life goes on very well according to this how, is how I, I feel. live it without hurting anybody else. The problem is other people. And that's another thing new, the New Agers won't acknowledge, and they'll flip out if you say that there's a problem with someone else. There are problems with other people, okay? And people will say people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. My glass house has been taken down long since, long time ago, because I went through all that personal introspective work, and I dug deep into my subconscious and faced those problems and confronted them head on and healed them. Yeah, dude. I agree. I'm good. You're good. Largely. That's what I'm saying. The vast majority of the time, I'm fucking gravy. And why is that? Because I've done inner hard inner work and had hard times and introspection and worked on myself and continue to do it and have different stories and take care of my body and stay healthy and have great relationships and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bro, this whole show to me is that invitation for other people. It's to just get in there and do the work. Yeah. And I want to present people with opportunities to do that. And so does Mark Passio. And came out of the mindset that I was once in. Okay? So, you know, people will say, if there's something you don't like you're seeing in, in other people, that's something in yourself that you're seeing in them. This is new age mumbo jumbo nonsense. Okay? <laughs> if you're not part of the problem, I'm not part of this problem. I can say that honestly. I'm not part of this problem. I can look at every single person, anybody who's watching this, and say, I'm not part of the problem that's happening on the earth. With all honesty and knowing that I am telling the truth with that. Yeah, dude, big facts. Okay? But, but <laughs> big see, facts. at one point, I was part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And a, a big part of the problem. Okay? What I had to do at some point is stop doing this and pointing out and saying the problem lies elsewhere while I was still part of it. What do we call that, Dave? Pointing out. Huh? Projections. Projections, and that usually stems when people are stuck in this type of mentality. Mm-hmm. What is it? Victim mentality. Victim mentality, dude. Here we are again, dismantling the victim mentality. And then I had to do this. Point it back. And point squarely at myself. And say, what do I need to change here? Head. Here. Heart. And finally, here. In the guts. In the courage. You know, people will say, yeah, change happens in the mind. It happens in the heart. But lastly, it happens in the guts. We need to generate what I call the heart, mind, guts. Okay? You got to care enough to know and then put it into action. Love it. Love it. Yeah. I care enough to know, and I try to put this into action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can be better. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. But you got to care enough to know, enough to take action. So that's part of what we're doing here. 
the heart, mind, guts, okay? That taking action is the most important step when it comes to creating change. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But the whole point here is I had to look at what I needed to change about myself in my thoughts, my emotions, and my actions, and then change those things in myself. This is what most people want to run away from. They want to say, yeah, I want those things that I say I want to magically to be present in my life, but I don't want to do those things that require self-change in how I think, in how I feel, and in how I act. I want it magically to happen without changing those things in me. So I can honestly look at the rest of the world and say, the problem does not lie within me. I am not seeing a manifestation of myself in other people. Other people have not done the same process that I have the introspective work that I have, and gone through that painful, painstaking work that involves effort, hard effort. I'm not up here telling people, I'm offering you the, the tonic. You're going to take a sip and magically you will be enlightened. Okay? Knowing what's going on in the world is hard work. It involves destruction. It's a destructive process. It involves destruction of belief systems. It involves completely breaking down barriers that are in your head. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. He said, knowing about the world is hard work. Mm -hmm. Dave? Real easy to just ostrich it up, bury the head in the sand, and not worry about anything. I've put 12 hours into this show alone. To just number six. Chops, dude. Value for value. This is the value that I want to provide in the form of this podcast. And I put in time. It's it's time that I'm putting in for everybody for, and for myself because I love it. Let's just be straight up. I freaking love this stuff. So, you know, that's why I'm doing it. And it is a, a bit of a destructive process because... Uh, what you have to do is let go of things that aren't serving you. And those things are called perceptions. Another word for stories in our business is perceptions. We call stories, we call perceptions stories. That was one's perception of an event and they created a story around it. And that story has been driving a lot of their behavior and emotional subconscious stuff. Is that accurate to say in the unlifted method mm -hmm. is pretty much what we're getting at. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, we want to instead get to the truth, get to truth. But to get to truth, you have to have a working definition for what truth is. So let's set a working definition for what is true. And again, just to remind people, this is all to protect your own mind. This is all in an effort to protect your own mind. So you have to know what truth is in order to align your perception. Truth is objective. That means that it's not dependent upon the perceptions of human beings. No one wants to hear that. That is, that is a direct assault, a direct frontal assault on the human ego. Because everybody wants to hear, my perceptions are important. And we want to also believe my perceptions are accurate. Okay? Now, people will say, well, what makes you say your perception of this topic is going to be accurate? 
That's because I went through the process of having to admit over and over and over and over and over again endlessly how wrong I was about my former perceptions. I went through that destructive process of breaking down my former belief systems, of breaking down my former emotional patterns, of, of, of most of all changing my behavior. That's the thing that's the most destructive because we get attached to our behaviors and patterns. Ooh. Accurate. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Truth does not care about your perception. It supersedes your own perception because what is true is always true, and it is an objective truth. Subjective truth is my perception of, and, and that's not really even truth. Subjective reality is your perception of the objective truth. And there are just some truths in the world that if you don't know that they're truths and na- by nature, you may be subject to falling into beliefs that are intended to control your mind. Okay. So we need to get to the truth to see how perceptions about the truth are being manipulated and controlled in the mind. So there are two ways to be fooled. Okay, so this is Passio reading a quote from Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher of a time long gone by. And this is about the two different ways that we can be fooled. So really, if we can protect our mind from these two types of foolery, we're going to be way better off. Okay. All right. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said that there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what is not true. And the other is to refuse to accept what is true. So what Kierkegaard is saying here is you can believe things that aren't true. And that will hold you back. And you can refuse to accept what is true. And that will also hold you back. I say these are the only two ways that humanity ever creates self-inflicted suffering for itself. You want to know how suffering is created for the human species that it doesn't need to experience? We believe what's not true. We refuse to accept what is true. That's why self-inflicted suffering exists in our species. And if we, bec- if we are to become wise, we need to stop doing both of those things, and then we'll stop creating suffering for ourselves. Stop believing that things that, that aren't true. And start believing things that are true. Mm-hmm. That's that's the way out, okay. which I, I translated what he said, which is the two way people can get fooled is believing something that is not true mm-hmm. and not believing something that is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I believe I believe uh, <clears throat> this is my perception that many people have lost touch with a really basic fundamental part of living of being a human being on earth that has potentially been intentionally made to be forgotten. But there are, instead of just naming it outright yet, I want to show you some symptoms of a mind that may have forgotten or not know that the, that are, there are some truths in the world. Okay. So Mark Passio has a great story here that could be f- fairly familiar with anybody that you've worked with in the past. So I found this to be funny. I think the way that he pokes at the new age spiritual movement is also quite funny. So I'm going to let him do his thing. 
Again, feel free to interrupt at any time. I, I said what the New Age religion wants to teach people is just accept everything the way it is, no matter how unjust it is, no matter how deplorable the conditions are, no matter how much evil, evil is taking place in our midst, accept it. That's the New Age religion. And here's what That's the thing that I think pe- that is true that people don't believe is true right now is that like in this acceptance movement that we've seen across many different political agendas mm-hmm. the accepted movement itself has a huge has a huge hole in it and that is the belief that everything should be let in got it yeah things are true just because you think it is and yeah yeah so uh right it's all said here's what she said that's exactly how i am i just accept everything I don't make any judgments on anything that occurs, no matter what it is, no matter how it's perceived. You want to perceive it as evil? That's your judgment. I said, yes, it is my judgment. You know why? Because it's evil. It really is. There is such a thing. I said, and you're content to let evil run amok and take this whole world because you don't want to act. Because what's really there is cowardice. That's what it really is, okay? She didn't want to hear that. She said, I prefer not to see it that way. Now, align this with the quote. I prefer not to see it that way, okay? And I hope by some miracle she happens to see this presentation at some point, okay? And, you know, in hindsight, I didn't say this to her on the spot, But I thought about it for a little bit the next day. And what I should have really said is, no, you prefer not to see, period. So going back to the quote, choosing not to believe that which is true is a type of being fooled. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this woman's like, I accept everything. And he was like, yeah, I don't make judgments about anything. Everything. I accept everything. It's like, oh. Wow, then you are choosing not to believe things that are true, that there is a line in the sand that needs to be drawn, at, at least eventually. And not an Obama line in the sand. Not an Obama line in the sand. This attitude, this attitude that I think is very prevalent of like, everything is fine, I don't need to take any action because everything is perfect, that is its own type of mind virus that may or may not have been intentionally filtered through a particular group or movement known as the New Age movement. I, to me, that is an abdication of responsibility. When I say I accept everything, then that means that I have chosen not to take responsibility over certain things that cross lines and boundaries. So if I, re- if I accept everything and I'm walking down the street and I notice someone being assaulted and I say, I accept everything, all I've done is just abdicated my responsibility of needing to intervene because I didn't want to take action to stop that attacker from attacking this innocent person. Yeah, it's, it's easy to do that when you're not the one being slapped in the face. But if you, you get slapped in the face and it's like, oh, okay, like, you know, how many of us legitimately turn the other cheek and say, okay, I accept it. Just, a lot yeah. more than they used to be. Yeah, no doubt. A lot more than they used to be. 
And I think that there is, again, a reason for that that will be pulled out over more shows. That if you can get people constantly turning the other cheek, then you can run them over. Mm -hmm. If you allow, if you possibly groom them into accepting all types of change, then when you really do bring the hammer, they'll be primed to just say, no problem. I accept everything. I don't judge anything. Mm -hmm. So to understand what kind of implication this has on society, this abdication, we need to understand the difference like between abdication and responsibility. So here's a quick one-minute clip explaining what responsibility is. Responsibility versus abdication. So why don't, why, don't, why don't these people want to think for themselves? It's too easy to just follow the orders of somebody else. This, they believe somehow magically this absolves them of personal responsibility to choose right from wrong. An individual's personal responsibility to choose right action over wrong action for themselves always belongs to that individual. And that responsibility can never be given to another person or passed along. One can only claim and imagine that they can abdicate their personal responsibility for such choice to someone else. It can never actually be done in reality. You're only making a claim, I'm not responsible for that behavior because this person told me to do it. That's just a claim. And what, moreover, what it really is, is it's just a damn lie. Okay? So remember, this is almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. That right there, I was just doing my job. We're hearing a lot of that in 2023, David. Mm -hmm. I was just doing my job, or they told me to do it, so I did it, and... It's what the science said. It's what the government said. It's it's what my boss said, that if I don't do this, that I'm going to have this thing that's it's not good happen to me. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. lose my profession. I'm going to lose my livelihood. A lot of people have been trying to execute their uh, agenda. And if we've been taught to abdicate responsibility of just saying, normalizing, hey, I was just doing my job. We have played a mental trick on ourselves. Okay. And that is a type of mind control. So when you hear the phrase mind control, they think it, uh, that, that, that it's a widely held belief that there's some nefarious, like esoteric form to all of this. No. If you believe that it's okay to abdicate responsibility in a moment where you clearly can see right from wrong, you have been subjected to giving away your personal responsibility. And when we do that, we ha that is a type of mentality. When you give away responsibility for your story, Dave, we call it the what? What mentality? Victim mentality. The victim yep. mentality. Yep, yep, there yep, it is yep, again. Yep. Ding, 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 ding. Nope. <laughs> that one was good. That, that one was too. Victim mentality. Victim mentality. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> the victim mentality is coming for you today. It's good. In as many different ways as possible. And getting people to just accept anything is... Real great way to get people to move into that. But the problem with abdicating your responsibility, as Mark Passio said, is that it can't be done in reality. 
You can never abdicate your responsibility in reality because we are what are known as sovereign beings. As a sovereign, which I'm going to let Passio do the heavy lifting on explaining sovereignty, we can't abdicate our responsibility. We are always personally responsible for our actions, and there's a reason for that. So I'm going to let him do the heavy lifting. Jump in anytime. Sovereignty is the expression the internal positive expression of natural law. Now, again, underneath these, in quote, in parentheses, I always put what I call these things, another name that I've given to these things, these concepts. I call sovereignty internal monarchy. Internal monarchy. Now, monarchy means one ruler. Mon means one, is a prefix for one, and archon in Greek means ruler or master. So, Internally, we each need to master and rule ourselves. This is our kingdom that we get to rule and know nowhere else. We don't have to rule over anybody else. Many people think they're the rulers of other people, but they're wrong. Each of us is a sovereign being. Sovereignty, as we're going to see, means that you're not owned by anyone else. No one else owns you if you're sovereign, Okay. So here's my expression, my visualization for sovereignty. Okay? Somebody who truly has the light, they have the light at their disposal, they're bathed in it, they're, it's flowing within them. Okay? And light has always been associated in different mystery traditions as knowledge. It's been a symbol that has represented knowledge. This is the person who has the knowledge and has, has gone through the decision making and filtering processes with that knowledge to come to an internal understanding that they are a sovereign being. And I have news for everybody. Whether you know it or not, whether you are familiar with the term or not, every person here is a sovereign. And you can never not be. It is an impossibility for you ever to be non-sovereign. It cannot be done. It cannot be done in nature. Okay? Every single human being on this planet is a sovereign being. And we're going to look at what a sovereign, sovereignty actually means. So that is our, to me, the first like real dose of truth that I've been hoping to serve up today is that every individual, people, you and I sitting in these chairs, anybody that's hearing this out in the airwaves, hey, listener, dear listener, you're responsible for yourself because you're a sovereign being. You are the only person that can rule your internal environment if you are choosing responsibility for yourself. Accurate. 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 This will continue to flesh out sovereignty by helping dissect the words. That's what he's really good at is getting to the etymology of a lot of this stuff. But this is like a inter... Uh, this is one clip before. The etymology clip will come up next. But let's play this quick one. The positive aspect of the internal expression is sovereignty, or what I call internal monarchy, meaning one ruler within. Internal monarchy, one ruler within. As a state of consciousness, sovereignty means that one has unified the three aspects of their consciousness, such that there is no internal contradiction between one's thoughts, emotions, and actions. We become a being that as we think, so we feel, so we speak and act. 
And there's no contradiction between those. We're not torn apart from within in this state of internal opposition with our, amongst our, our own consciousness. Okay? I thought that was a pretty simple definition of, so- of sovereignty. Yeah. yeah. Where, where your mind, your thoughts, and your feelings, and your actions align. I mean, before he argued, everybody is sovereign, and but most people, that is not the case, where your thoughts, mind, and actions align. Well, you and can... In fact, everybody is a critic or a um, hypocrite. Not, not everyone, negation acknowledge, is claiming their sovereignty by aligning their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions. Got it. And they are responsible for doing so. No one else can be responsible for aligning your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. Only you are responsible for that. Got it. So in the case of what we were saying earlier, for any individuals that may have felt differently, had a different feeling or thought than the action that they took during the pandemic, so to, as a matter of uh, example, mm-hmm. then they, they were choosing to abdicate responsibility they were trying to advocate abdicate responsibility but they just they can't ever actually do that because you're sovereign so you are responsible for aligning your thoughts your feelings and your actions this is the etymology of sovereign which i think will really finally anchor in this truth that we need to that we get to learn and adopt in an effort to control our own mind Moreover, let's break the word sovereign down. That's where we're going to come to the real meaning of the term. Sovereign is derived from the Latin adverb super. Super means above. See, in classical Latin, there's no, there's no uh, V in classical Latin, right? There's no V character. Actually, if you wrote a V like that, it was a U, okay? And why a, a double U looks the way that it is. It's two Vs, actually. But that sound was U in Latin, if you see a V. There's no V, V sound in classical Latin. doesn't exist phonetically, all right? So th- this, this uh, phonetic variation that we express as v, v or V in English, in Latin was P or B. It was represented by a P or a B. So what we're really seeing here is suver, suver, Okay. But it was pronounced in Latin super, like super. Well, what does super mean? Super, you're beyond, you're above and beyond. Okay? It means above or beyond. That's what it means. A superman is one who's beyond an ordinary man, right? The Latin noun regnum comprises the second part of the etymological root of Regnum. Regnum. Damn near killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Rectum. <laughs> Regnum. <laughs> Go on, Mark. This word, regnum, it comes from rex, rex regis in Latin, or regis. It means king. So regnum was the king's rulership. Regnum means his reign. It's where the word reign comes from in English, regnum in Latin. It means rulership or Externally imposed control. Okay? Not not control in the context, I'm going to control my emotions, I'm going to control my behavior. No. It means I'm going to control you externally by imposing my will over your will through coercion. 
That's the context of rulership or control that I'm talking about here. So put them together. Super regnum, sovereign, means above or beyond externally imposed rulership or control by another. That's what it means. Sovereign means not a subject to another being, like a king, like one who considers himself a king. And it means not a slave to someone who considers themselves your master. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Being above, super, sover, above the outer control or reign of someone else. So the claim, the truth, is that when we're born, naturally, there is no person that is inherently above us. There's no one that is that can claim natural rights to ruling another person. To coerce and control someone always results in a wrong because it restricts an individual's rights. We have natural, inherent rights as human beings that unless we have created a man-made structure that then takes away those rights, willingly or otherwise, just without those systems, if they didn't exist, there would be no person, no individual that could claim rulership over you unless you say, you know what, I will grant you rulership over me. The only way that we can have these systems is if we give away our right to self-rulership. So when we consent to certain things, we're allowing ourselves to be, our minds to be controlled. You take, uh, you consent to those terms and conditions in your Instagram feed, or you consent to the terms and conditions of this other thing. You are saying, yes, you may take control over my inner domain at the level that we've committed to in this contract. But the problem is that when left unchecked, control always has the same result every time. Now, there's a negative external expression, and you can call it multiple things. You can call it totalitarianism. You could call it slavery. I term it simply control, externally imposed control. Okay, it doesn't mean, you know, self-control. It means literally someone outside of your own being is trying to control you and own you. So, yeah, a good way of looking at it would be slavery as well, because control leads to slavery. Control is what I call external monarchy, meaning there's a ruler from without that believes and wants, believes they do own you and wants to continue to own you as their subject or slave. And this manifests in things like the oncoming police state, which I wouldn't even say is oncoming. I would say it's here. I'd say we're already living in it. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that's happening in the present. You know, people talk about it as something they're trying to avoid from happening. What makes people think it's not already happening? Yeah. The negative aspect of the external expression of natural law is control, what I call external monarchy, one external ruler. The concentration of illusory power 
okay, in the hands of institutions like government. Control is the pathway to all forms of evil and destruction. It results when a society lives in direct opposition to natural law. Control. Dave. Go ahead. I've noticed a trend. What's that? I've noticed that over the last couple of years, there has just been a massive push towards controlling all systems. We got to control all of our stuff for the environment. We got to control all of our stuff to fix this. We got to control all of our stuff to fix what happens if we have diseases. It seems that there is a massive uptick in the selling, the active campaigning for giving as much control to as few large organizations as possible. Have you noticed this? Is that something that that you believe as well? Yeah, it's happening. For sure it's happening. Because on the other end of control is typically money. Mm. That was one of the belief systems that I cut out earlier in the biases. He talks about money because I'm actually going to do a whole show about money. But money is its own biased belief system that we will also deconstruct on a future episode. Lovely. But the way that he set it up is that sovereignty and control are diametrically opposed with each other. Okay. If you have an internal monarch, an inner ruler, then you're sovereign. If you have an external monarch or an outer ruler, you're being controlled. Pretty simple stuff when you really think about it. So that's the negative expression of monarchy is the external monarch, which is the controller. And I, I believe that there are truths that are known on a, on a very concentrated scale to knowledge that is hidden from the eye. We've talked about that. It's called occulted information. Mm-hmm. All occulted means, and we'll talk about this in a later episode, is that it's information that has been hidden from the eye. And one of those pieces of information is natural law. If you understand natural law, then any type of control over your personal domain, you'll understand to be giving away your responsibility. And if most people knew that that was the case, I imagine that their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions would be aligned to do something else. One of the phrases that I tell people often is to vote with your dollars. Your, your money, where you spend your money, is, is, a, is an action that you take to support the type of world that you want to see manifested in the world. So if I buy products and services from companies that are using bad, nasty control tactics to build their company, then I'm participating in that. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for that in my own way. But if I vote with my dollars and I buy things that I support that are doing the types of, you know, treating the earth as it as as I would, then I would be keeping my sovereignty and supporting my inner thoughts, beliefs with my actions in the outer world. Okay, and the reason that I'm able to do that is because I understand natural law. And so I want to present some concepts. This is what this whole show has been about is if you can Listen to, don't take my word for it, go deeper 
into these concepts to understand, to understand your own world. I'm here to present these tools as a toolkit for you in an effort to uh, help you protect your own mind. And so what we're going to do is on the other side of this, we're going to get into natural law. But first, Dave and I for sure need a smoke break. So we're going to take it. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're bringing the bag in. It is minty. minty fresh. Oh, that's nice. That's good. That's real good. Oh, that's nice. So we're having our little smoke break here. And just, hey, you know, it's your show too, man. How are you feeling so far? Real good. What, what about it are you feeling good about? I'm, uh, I'm excited to learn about natural law. Do you know anything about natural law? I have an idea, but I'm going to let you... No nah, man. Mark, what do you Mark what do you think? It. What do you think natural law is? Oh man. Um truths, truths, irrefutable truths about uh life, death, and existing on the planet. Fucking A. Fucking A. Dave. This is Mark Passio, natural law defined one. Let's define natural law. So this is what we're gonna be talking about for the rest of the day. We have to define it. The simple definition of natural is inherent, having a basis in nature, reality, and truth, not made or caused by humankind. So if it's natural, it wasn't made by man. Mankind didn't make it. Okay? And again, the origin of the word, neter in Egyptian, means spirit, and all means of or related to. So of or related to spirit. It is all of nature, the spiritual domain. See, this is the other part. People believe that the spiritual domain is separate from the physical domain. This is a huge thread and a huge central focus in all of my work. If you think the spiritual domain is not where you are at now, 
because you're in the physical domain. You're mistaken. This guy's definitely, definitely dabbled in psilocybin. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Oh, that one's, yeah, that was a little late, but that's the rim shot. Uh, will you say can I can you set can you set it up again? This, this guy definitely dabbled in psilocybin. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's possible. I can't. Con- I can neither confirm nor deny that. So we only for natural law we only have another like two minutes and twenty five seconds worth of material. Then we're gonna get into how the brain works because again I, I want the show to be about how to protect your mind. So I got to got to at least get some material in here about how the brain works. So when you have these other concepts that I've already laid out for you, truth, sovereignty, control, natural law, then you can understand how your brain works to bring those things into alignment for yourself. So that's only going to be about I don't know, three and a half minutes, 5 minutes verse of material. All right. And then I got a couple of things uh, that are going to delineate force versus violence, which I think is really important. Then we'll hit our producer segment. And I got some real fun stuff packed away for you. So we got about another like 15, 20 minutes of material to get through here. Let's do it. You ready? Jobs. All right. Number two. If you think that the spiritual domain is someplace other than the physical domain, you're also mistaken. If you place emphasis on one above the other and say, well, this one takes precedence and this one's not important. Either way you do it, whether you say the spiritual is more important and the world of matter should not be given any significance, it's imbalanced and it's not true. Okay? Or if you say, hey, like scientism does in many, you know, left brain scientism, the, the material world is all that there is. This is just a dead mechanized clockwork called the universe, and it happened by accident for no reason. You know, and this, there's no such thing as the spirit, you know, spiritual domain. Both of these worldviews, and we're going to get to a breakdown of these worldviews, they're completely inter- inaccurate, they're not based in truth, and most of all, they're based on brain imbalance. And we're going to see how one of these worldviews or another develops when either the left brain hemisphere or the right brain hemisphere has taken precedence and dominance within the individual consciousness. I know that I've been uh, at times when my life was most chaotic is when I was out of balance in, the, in, my, in my thinking and in my actions, either too passive or too, too aggressive, too active. So I... Again, he'll have a couple of uh, clips on how the brain works to clarify that a little more deeply. But let's go ahead and wrap up natural law so we can finally put a pin in it as a concept and say this is, whether we believe it or not, this is the way that it is similar to fit laws of physics. Which are also up for debate. One of these worldviews are... Huh? Which are also up for debate. Laws of physics? These days, yeah. You got gravity, you got antimatter gravity, you got all kinds of different... Space, time isn't real. Talk to Chase Tomlinson. (laughs) I will. I will. Go ahead. And we're going to see how one of these worldviews or another develops when either the left brain hemisphere or the right brain hemisphere has taken precedence and dominance within the individual consciousness. So natural means spiritual. These words could be used interchangeably. So when I'm talking about natural law, I mean spiritual law. Unseen spiritual laws. But overall, the dictionary definition of natural is it's inherent to nature and it's not made by man. The word law is, the definition is an existing condition which is both binding and immutable. So let's look at each one of these words. Existing. It means that it is present. 
It is present. Okay? It cannot be just ignored and expected that, well, that doesn't make it true and it's, it's not going to have an effect. It's there. It's present. That's why it's a law that it's in operation, that is in operation. It is binding. Binding means it has an effect. It means it doesn't matter whether you believe that it has an effect. It doesn't matter whether you understand that it has an effect. It doesn't care. It doesn't. Because they exist, they it pre-exists even humans' existence on the planet. They just are inherently true. But one of the truths, one of the natural laws, is that you are born a sovereign. You you are born as a person that has no external ruler. Anyone that imposes external rulership over you and insists that, that they have the right to do that is by definition, engaging in a form of control. We're so helpless when we're born. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we're not, we're not like many animals in the animal kingdom that can pop out, you know, have a brush off and a shake and get, get the, the juices, you know, dried off and whatnot. And then, be good to go on their own, you know? Yeah. So are we being controlled by our parents when we're being raised to become a sovereign human being? I mean, I know inherently we're sovereign by this definition when we are born, and yet we are also not uh, independent by mm. any means. Yeah. This is a great point. You know, we're not... Uh, uh, We'd be subject to natural law if left out in the environment. We'd be fucking eaten. Mm. I imagine that there is a so in possibly let's 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 expand on this because I didn't even consider this angle. So I think this is great. Let's consider that part of being responsible as an adult or as a human is if you choose to procreate, you have chosen a certain level of responsibility over that child which includes executing force, which we'll talk about later, using force to keep that child safe because we know, in, know inherently that that child has yet to develop that opportunity for itself. It has yet to develop the brain that is capable of real sovereignty. That, yes, we have to uh, mature and grow into sovereign individuals. How does that fit? For you, if it's better, yeah. Is it fair yeah, to say? Yeah. Is it fair to say that choosing to have a child is an act of that requires responsibility? Yes. That if one were to though, not, though, yes, maybe, maybe not. Right. If you're talking natural law, mm -hmm. right? An elk goes out and mates with a, a female elk, and then just saunters off you know and it's spreads, not included in this he talks about the delineation between humans and animals yeah. because we're capable of higher levels of consciousness we have the responsibility that the animal kingdom does not because they can't be aware of that level of awareness like we can we don't know that animals are not also capable of higher levels of consciousness it is pretty well researched that they're not capable of it to the best of Dolphins, our knowledge octopuses and octopi. if it's possible that we may discover more beings that deserve sovereignty do animals feel pain 
I believe they experience pain, but maybe can't create a story around why they're, why they're experiencing pain. Can they experience emotion? I believe that they can happy dog and a sad dog. I believe they can experience feelings that we would interpret as emotions, but they can't consciously think I am feeling this emotion. They will feel it, but they can't step above their feeling and go, I'm, I can see and experience my feeling up here. Listen, man, if you don't think all dogs go to heaven, we can end this shit right now. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. Um, yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting thoughts. Yeah. And I, no, lots he's, to unpack. He's open to it. He didn't immediately turn off. He's just saying, "Hey, I just need to explore this further," and 100%. that's all. That's all I'm inviting people to do. Yeah, we're just we're just uh, poking around, just poking around at natural law. Mark Passio, a law, a seminar on natural law. It's part one of three. You need to watch all nine hours of it if you really wanted to go for it. And that is a big ask, which is why I'm doing the show. This is the value that I have this, to provide. This is the aggregation. You're, you're it's the, the aggregation. aggregation. You're going to get the, the, the most information and context that you can in uh, we're, we're just over an hour so far. Okay. okay it was pretty good. We're, we're, we're doing pretty good. We're yeah. almost done and going in the producer segment. Well, damn. Can you believe it? Let's talk about how the brain works. Part one. Now, I'm not telling you it's 100% neuroscience is more complicated than that, okay? But in general, the left part, the left hemisphere of the brain is uh, what governs logic, analytical thought, and scientific and mathematical thinking, and also linear thought processes, okay? Physical world tasks and details, being able to break things down and analyze them. All right. So this is taking things apart, breaking them down into smaller components and analyzing the pieces. That's what the left brain does. You can look at it as you can look at it as a series processor. Okay, it has to go into this part first, then here, and then here, and then we can spit out the output. A linear process, like a series processor. Okay? The right side of the brain, the right hemisphere. Uh, governs or generally facilitates and makes possible human creativity, our emotional makeup, okay, all the emotional dynamics of the human being, holistic thought, being able to see the big picture, big picture thinking, pattern recognition, and then things like compassion, nurturing, care, okay, Um, ethics to a large extent. And I would say ethical thinking comes from a a balance between the two, as we're going to get into. I think I had some uh, left left brain concussions at some point in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move some right, move some left brain juice to the right right brain side. Yeah, boy over here. Hey, but, listen, know, and uh, there there are consequences <laughs> to that. And I think this is how I think he's going to talk about the consequences of the imbalance. Now, if this left part of the brain here becomes chronically dominant, the masculine part of the brain, and again, the I'm putting of these problem. symbols here. This is an ancient uh, archetypal symbol called the blade. It's a simple upward-pointing triangle. And this downward-pointing triangle is an, another ancient archetypal symbol that is, was referred to in the ancient world as the chalice, the cup, etc. Okay? And you know, this was a rudimentary phallic symbol, and this was a rudimentary womb symbol, representing the male and the female, or the masculine and feminine, more accurately, components of the consciousness. 
the idea is to keep a balance between these two. When we have a balance between the two, that's when we're operating on all cylinders, so to speak. That's when real consciousness and pattern recognition is developed. And that's when real morality and ethical considerations are also created within the personality, within the being. If this part of the brain is chronically dominant, the left part of the brain, okay, what happens is the, the right side of the brain is, is imbalanced. It's not really functioning uh, at a higher level, okay? And the, the limbic brain will actually suffer that effect, okay? It will also start to shut down. So you will have a lot of left brain patterns going on and a lot of left brain processing going on. But if that's all that's happening and we're not using this part of the brain it, it equally, the R complex of the brain is what essential um, executive functions are going to be routed to. We're going to be living from the R complex in a kind of stimulus response only mode instead of living from a holistic uh, brain balanced mode, uh, which, which is when, when we're in that balanced state, the neocortex, which governs higher order thinking and makes higher order thinking and ethical thinking possible, is what rules the personality. For those that may be a little unfamiliar with the different aspects of the brain. The limbic system. It's the reptilian system, the old, 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 old brainstem system. That, but it also, uh, I don't, I don't think so. No, no. The Maybe. limbic, the limbic system is the, assi oh yeah, we're doing yeah, a live lookup. This is exactly, exactly, David. I believe the limbic is what allows us to experience emotions emotions so if we're overdriving on the logic side it will actually deteriorate our brain's ability to access the limbic system which allows us to experience emotion i believe limbic is the mammalian side of the brain whereas yep, you're right i was wrong okay and the reptilian is the uh getting there he's getting there and the neocortex is the ability the, put to put everything together yeah. into that higher realm of morality, ethics, and all the above. You have to be able to experience feelings in the limbic system to have ethics. Otherwise, there's just process of whatever you need to do to take care of it. Got it. Latin, you want to yeah, ready it. for the third one? Hit it. Conversely, if the right side of the brain is chronically dominant, so let's put it this way. The left side of the brain being chronically dominant, you have the controller. That's the, ma that's the master mentality. The, the right side of the brain being chronically dominant, that's the slave mentality. That's the I won't stand up for myself and I'll just accept everything. The total new ager in all of oh, us. I got some balance. Okay? That's good. So this part of the brain, if it's chronically dominant, the opposite happens with the structures of the brain. The R complex will shut down. It will suffer. Okay, It will not work properly, which the R complex is necessary. It makes you stand up for yourself when you're under attack. Again, it's the fight flight response in a dangerous situation you've got to know whether you're going to fight whatever is attacking you or whether you're going to get out of dodge and run away okay that's a survival mechanism that's necessary when there's danger so uh, this is going to be a key point so just like listen up to what happens when you go so far into the into the right side the creativity the 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 receptiveness when you go too far into that what what is possible 
When this part of the brain is chronically imbalanced, the R complex gets shut down, people freeze essentially, and they don't stand up for themselves and take action. What they're being, what's happening is they're being ruled by their emotions. And again, the, the limbic brain governs all emotions, positive and negative. So that's compassion and that's fear. It's any possible human emotion. The, the, the midbrain is what's ultimately facilitating that emotion in the physiology. All right? So if this part of the brain is chronically dominant, the opposite happens. You go into slave think, you shut down, you freeze, you're ruled by the emotions, and you don't stand up for yourself. Not standing up for yourself is a huge part of this. Huge part. If you could control, hypothetically, mm -hmm. enough of people's brain uh, to shift them more into that side of their brain more often, the result is they lose their ability to fight back. So they lose their desire to fight back. And they lose access to the part of their brain that teaches them or tells them the instinctual uh, uh, part that's that actually gets you to stand up for yourself gets turned off. Mm. I got to do some fucking Sudoku or some shit. Well, if get my, <laughs> you got to get your action up, <laughs> get my get my left brain going here. Well, on a large scale, the acceptance movement of many different kinds. We've we've deconstructed the fat phobia angle mm -hmm. of this, but mm -hmm. we're going to keep going into new topics after we've set, set this up with five and six of like mind control is happening in ways that you may not understand. And here's some concepts that you could rattle around in that old brain of yours to, to get your mind back on a level playing field, because there are people that are executing violence over us to exert control. They may use the word force what the force is like the police. You're part of the force. <laughs> you gotta, gotta go out. He's, he's part of the force. He's been Pol 20 years forces. part of the force. Yeah. You know, those guys. So that is called the force. And it has implications. So we're going to talk about what force and violence are. Because we, as sovereign beings, have the right to use force. But we do not have the right to use violence. And there is a difference. Force versus violence. We need to understand that these concepts are complete opposites of each other. They are not the same. The terms should never be used interchangeably with, with each other because not only are they not even remotely similar, they're direct, diametrically opposed opposites. Let's look at the difference. They're often spoken about as if they're the same and they're used interchangeably when in fact they are actually diametrically opposed to each other. Force, the definition of force, is the capacity to do work or cause physical change in the physical world. Okay, For any change to be created in the physical world in any capacity, force must be used and applied. There's nothing you can do that doesn't require force if you're going to make a change happen in the physical. Okay, So to set up this equipment, force was required. We had to lift it, we had to set it up, we had to plug in the cables. Force is required to do all those things. It's the capacity to perform physical activity, physical work. Okay? Action.
action forces actually action with which is in harmony with morality and natural law because the taking of it, the usage of it, doesn't violate rights of other people. So as soon as you're stepping over the line into coercive usage of force, that becomes violence. So, the so to take by force is not an applicable term because that you can only take, take by, by violence. violence. Yeah, got you it. can only take by violence. Yeah. And these words are placed here intentionally to yeah. give you the impression that there is a righteous right to use said force. Creation of force for coercive reasons, for coercive applications becomes violence. That's what makes it violence. So I believe that nudging is a form of violence. That it is a use of coercive force against our consent to execute a level of control about our behaviors that is violent by its structure. Let's get the violence definition. Force itself is not violence. As such, force is action which one always possesses the natural right to take, and this includes the defense, the physical defense of someone's person, their, their body, against the act of violence. Force may be applied in that situation. When you are accosted with violence, you do reserve the right to use physical force defensively against such an assault. Violence, on the other hand, and this is the key to keep in mind with violence, it is the immoral initiation of physical power to coerce, compel, or restrain unrightfully. Coerce, compel, or restrain unrightfully. No one has the right to ever enact violence because violence is always starting it. Initiation, that's the key word there. It's the immoral, the unrightful initiation. So, you know, teachers in schools will, you know, if there's a skirmish that happens between a couple of male students one day, they'll say, it doesn't matter who started it. All that matters is who started it. All that matters is who started it. All that matters. Because the person who actually conducted violence is the person who struck first. They initiated the immoral use of physical behavior, of physical force, to physical power to coerce, compel, or restrain. Therefore, when the person beats back that physical assault with force, they have not committed an additional wrongdoing. Well, yeah, who started it? Who done it? All that matters is who started it. All that matters. Now, Dave, been a, I've been a recent, I've been a recent participant of some mental violence. Mm. It was initiated. You done it, huh? I didn't do it oh, because oh, all picked. that matters <laughs> is who started it. Okay. All that matters is who started it. So recently, I had to use some mental force some emotional, natural force to protect myself. Okay. And it's because I have adopted these concepts that I was able to navigate a very challenging personal and professional situation. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I came out on the other side of this thing with everything intact. And I'm, I'm crediting a lot of this information that I've presented today as, as part of my uh, gift, my value to share with the world. You could be subjected to some by a person on your block, by some person on your Instagram feed, 
by your congressman, by your president, you may be the recipient of some physical or mental emotional violence. And if you understand your sovereignty, you can know how to create boundaries so people can't come in on that inner ruler, that inner monarch, and control your mind to get you to coerce, restrain. What was the other one? There's another C. It was a good C word. It was a great C word. Co-op? No, it wasn't co-op. Let's see. That was, uh, I think that was number 21. So I'll open this guy real quick and let's figure out what that was. Let's go to it. Things around here. Because the person who actually conducted violence is the person who struck first. They initiated the immoral use of physical behavior, of physical force. To coerce, physical power to coerce, compel, or restrain. Compel. compel. Yeah. That's the one that really stood out to me, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I compel was to try to con, you know, convince you. Coerce and tried to comp- compel me yeah. to take certain actions that were not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I withstood that mental assault mm-hmm. and was able to keep my ground and apply some force. And I'll let history be the judge. That's all I'm saying. So. As we close this down, this this is the presentation for today, that if you were to go back through all of these tools that I've presented so far, which is, one, you can just go and, and read uh, uh, or go listen to all the Mark Passio seminar if you want on, on YouTube, but allowing yourself to remove certain biases from your mind, like your political affiliation, like your religious affiliation, like your... Standard, you know, if you're if you're willing to just see past that a little bit, it opens up your vision to the potential that there is information that's being kept from us. That there are movements that are that are trying to be pushed upon our mind without our consent using violence. And as sovereign beings, we need to execute our force, our rightful force to protect ourselves from mental and emotional and spiritual Violence. And of course, physical violence as well. Mm-hmm. That's why I train jujitsu. That's why I shoot my pistol every now and again. <laughs> no, you haven't. I've shot it three times in the past year. <laughs> right. Which is, is that qualifies every now and again? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't, qu- I, did, I wouldn't say once a quarter. That'd be a, that'd be a damn lie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd yeah. be a real damn lie. That'd be some lie. violence right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It'd be some violence. But it is why. I choose to participate in those things because it allows me, if necessary, to use force. Yeah, you stay ready. I stay ready. Yeah. And and most people can't delineate between force and violence. They may believe that they're engaging in violence when actually they're using force to protect themselves. And I and I and again, like there's many different types of force, but he Mark Passio presents a question that I think uh uh well, I'm gonna have him propose and then i'm gonna have him answer and then we're gonna go to the producer break and we'll and we'll close with some fun how about that got it all right people will wonder why are we losing freedom why is freedom on the wane why is totalitarianism and tyranny rising up why do we see so much control and obsession with control in our society you know they'll see that many of them will see the rising police state They'll see the injustices in our society. They'll see the restrictions on our, our inherent natural liberty. This is nine okay? years ago. But here's the thing. Many of them will not make the transition to grasping. You know? They'll say, yeah, this is what's happening to the earth. It's being turned into a huge prison everywhere. And at the most rapid pace right here in America. Okay? 
and they'll see this lock going onto the cage. But the question that they never get to, they don't even get to the question, let alone the answer, is why? They'll talk about the symptoms. They'll describe the prison. They'll describe every corner of the cage accurately in many cases. They can tell you exactly how it's working. They can tell you all the different aspects of the control system. But they can't tell you why it's actually going into place. Why is that happening? Uh, money. Money and power. Money and power. Uh, he's going to be more direct with his answer, and I tend to align with him more and more every day on this particular reason uh, as my hypothesis, my working hypothesis. The people with this knowledge at the highest levels, they hate us, and they're doing a total number on us because we don't have this knowledge. And until that changes, don't expect the playing field to be leveled. Well, they don't love us because they would treat us differently if they loved us. So, and, you well, know, it might be a symptom of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, health and profitability are at odds, David. Yes, they are. And with that, Dave, I'd like to thank yes, you for your courage. Let's move on into the producer segment. Are you ready? Let's ready. do it. Thank you, listener. Thank you, dear listener, for being here into the producer segment. Thank you for hanging out with us on the Serious Fun Podcast, the second greatest podcast in the universe with my boy Dave here. Thank you for being here. This is the this is the time in the show where we tell you about something called value for value. Value for value is a, is a system that we're using for this project where we offer our value in the form of our time and our talent, and we request that you, as an audience member, as a producer of this show, act by giving back your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's what we consider value. And although we didn't receive any treasure donations, no booty, Damn. no booty this week. <laughs> I think I think no. I know. Hold on. Let me turn that up again. Just just like oh, no booty, no booty, man. That's no okay. Booty. That's okay. No booty. Perhaps there was other value. We have received value. Beautiful. We have a song that we're going to get to play for Bob or Flop. Okay. So that is the value that we've received for this episode, as well as the value of Mr. Mark Passio himself, who basically just walked us by the hand through several different concepts that you could follow up on if you felt so inclined. You could do that. Quite valuable. Quite valuable. Okay. So, because we have a producer for Bop or Flop, what I'd like to do for the fun section is we'll go ahead and do Bop or Flop. Okay. And then I'll run through some material that I've saved for the fun section that is just for some for to yuck it up with my boy Dave. Okay. And then we will close the show by setting up future episodes. 
Excellent. Excellent. So, David, I must ask you, is this a... Bop or flop? Is that Alan? No. Okay. He's in on the bob. Let's get it to him. That right there is my dude, Bingy Music. Bingy, his name is Hasai McLennan. He is actually a real producer. He's he's he is. We work together. Excellent. He produces post production podcasts for us. So when these hit the airwaves, this will have Bingy's fingerprints on it. He Let's will go, have Bingy. helped me with the mix. I do. He will have hit me with the help me with the mix, and he will have helped me with the master. He's teaching me more about production, and he's also an incredible musician. Yeah, you got a full bop on your hands here, Bingy. Full bop on your on your hands, Bingy. Thank you so much for being a producer of this show. Thank you for contributing your art. Thank you being for an amazing for being an amazing dad, an amazing human. And let's give high grade just a little bit more airtime. You work with. Oh, I thought we were muted. Nah, you're not muted. We're, we're so good. We're starting. Thank you, Bingy. We appreciate you, dude. So, uh, again, Dave, I, I, you know, I know you already answered this, but yeah, it's a bop. Well, well, it's a bop. It's a bop. It's a, it's a clear bop. So, as we've you know been discussing over several shows, there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the world, and if you were to allow yourself to get too wrapped up in all of it you could you could you could experience some hard emotions mm-hmm. and potentially just like throw your hands up in the air like and you just don't care. like you yeah. like you just don't care exactly right and one person who actually happened to master the art of not caring was a comedian named george carlin hmm. I thought you were gonna pull up the dude the dude definitely doesn't care but no he he cares because nihilists don't believe in anything, yeah, that's you right know, so they really don't care. The dude, even for him, the nihilists were a bit much. He's he's very relaxed, to say the least. He's relaxed, but they did do him an injustice with violence, and they took his rug, and that's not... They did they take the dude's the rug. rug. You know, it's not acceptable. They, they, they took it, and they peed on it, and we hated it. <laughs> but George Carlin 
has mastered the art of not caring. And he talks about not caring as a form of how he uses his art in this clip. And I thought this is a, this is almost like a necessary position for us to take in an effort to actually have fun with some of these very serious topics. We got to take on a little bit of George Carlin energy here. You know, comedy, stand-up comedy is a low art. It's it's a vulgar art. It's an art of the people. It's not. But it's fine. an art. But it is an art. It's it, it has to do with interpreting the world as you see it, and then writing something, and then delivering it verbally. Uh, and I found a very liberating position for myself as an artist, and that was, I sort of gave up on the human race and gave up on the American dream and culture and nation and decided that I didn't care about the outcome. Not having an emotional stake in whether this experiment with human beings works. I really don't care. Uh, I love people as I meet them one by one. People are are just wonderful as individuals. You see the whole universe in their eyes if you look carefully. But as soon as they begin to group, as soon as they begin to clot, when there are five of them or ten or even groups as small as two, they begin to change. They sacrifice the beauty of the individual Mm. for the sake of the group. I decided it was all under the control of groups now, whether it's business, religion, political people or what, and I would distance myself from wishing for a good outcome. Let it do what it's going to do, yeah. and I'll enjoy it as an entertainment. And I'll reflect on what it is on its own. And I'll enjoy it for the entertainment. When you say to yourself, I don't care what happens, it just gives you a broader perspective for the art, for the words to, to emerge, to not care. That's what happened in that 92 show. That's why I could say the planet is fine, the people are... Because yeah. the planet will outlast us. It will be here and it will be fine. Well, that's that's uh, absolving yourself from responsibility. He he does. And and for a moment, we're going to absolve ourselves from responsibility. Okay, Dave? Okay. Let's let's have some fun. Let's right. not care for just a moment. Can All we right. not yeah, care right. for just a moment? Okay. The mind control is working and it's kind of hilarious. Okay. Okay. This is from a TV show that airs on TLC. And it's about, you know, it's going to be good now. And it's about two sisters that are like over 600 pounds each. Yep. All right. This is a scene from that show. All right. Do you drink water? No. No water at all? Okay. All right. And then what are you drinking during the day? Sodies. Sodies? Sodies. Sody pops. Okay. (laughs) And how much do you think you drink a day? Eight to 12 a day. It's called cans? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's regular soda? No, it's diet. It's diet. Okay. Our mom told us when we were younger, if we ate a sugar, you drink a diet coke afterwards and it'll cancel out the sugar. Okay. Um. Sodies. Sodies, dude. How ridiculous is Sodies? That's ridiculous. It's like there needs to be some something on that button over there that shows ridiculous. Oh my god! Yeah, you just gotta hit something. Just hit something. Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> uh, let me. Uh, let's see if I can. Let's see. What do we have over here that would be ridiculous? What's that green button? The light green button. Yeah. Yeah. Sodies is ridiculous. <laughs> so Sodies is regarsh darn ridiculous, dude. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. You got to get the money, man. Dude, you got to find the money. I mean, that's bad. Yeah, that's bad. It's almost like parody. It's almost like I'm watching a parody of real life being projected onto a screen. Like stupidity has become the thing that we're just like, man, I can't wait to watch this. And so, yeah, I mean, some of it's funny, like sodies. <laughs> some of it is, uh, well, it, no 
want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. Chili baby back ribs. Baby baby back ribs. We got to watch two fat bastardesses sitting next to each other at their physician telling them, oh, sorry, I don't drink water. I only drink sodies, Dave. And because if you recall, their mom taught them that if you have a regular one and then you have a diet one back-to-back, they cancel each other out. Mm -hmm. So there's actually no impact of having both of them. That's what she said. That's that's a certain level of mind control. So I I ask you, Dave, um, that, that seemed like a parody of real life. What I'm about to play for you is real-life audio that I took from my phone, so it's going to be a little audio. You know, it's going to have a certain sound to it, but I think you'll get the point. I, I don't personally watch TV all that much. TV that would be considered mainstream TV that has commercials that play during daytime television or nighttime television. Mm-hmm. So when I have opportunities like I did recently where I got to attend the beach, go to the beach and go stay at a beach house with my family, I took advantage and, and, and decided to, you know what, man, just going to get a little bit of TV time. Mm-hmm. And Something and, came on and you pulled out your phone and you... A lot. Dude, is this, the, the, the segment is parody or nah. Okay. Commercial edition. Is this parody or is this real life? Let's find out. I have type 2 diabetes, but I manage it well. It's a little pill with a big story to tell. I take one daily jardiance. At each day works 24-7 in your body to flush out some sugar. Listen. For adults with type 2 diabetes and known heart disease, Jardians can lower the risk of cardiovascular death too. Listen. Jardians may cause serious side effects, including ketoacidosis that may be fatal, dehydration that can lead to sudden worsening of kidney function, and genital yeast or urinary tract infections. A rare life-threatening bacterial infection in the skin of the perineum could occur. Stop taking Jardians and call your doctor right away if you have symptoms of this infection, ketoacidosis, or an allergic reaction. And don't take it if you're on dialysis. Taking Jardians with a sulfonuria or insulin may cause low blood sugar. Really this hit the skin of your perineum? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yo, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Dude, and they're probably like dancing in the park and like rafting down a river and Dude, like fucking the, the just whole side to side. Just... They're, they're swinging Carlton arms the whole time. Okay. Jardians is that. Now, Dave, this is not an edit. This literally came on right afterwards. Okay. Historically, sauces are either sweet or spicy, but Arby's new king is a Hawaiian chicken sandwich is both because Arby's makes both history and sandwiches. Arby's, we have the meat. What? <laughs> so there's a commercial. Selling you your happy type two diabetes pill that will will taint your perineum, and now also. Following up with an Arby's sweet and sour. Dude. we got both. So pack them on at the same time. They have the meats. Wow, dude. So just for funsies, I'm going to play the transition of that. Go, just, go back to the side effects. Yeah, I think start, I, I think. Okay. Start right, out right I there. I got it. Okay. 
right away if you have symptoms of this infection, ketoacidosis, or allergic reaction. And don't take it if you're on dialysis. Taking Jardines for pisoplonurea or insulin may cause low blood sugar. Jardia is a terrible gut issue. Historically, sauces are either sweet or spicy. Oh my Arby's God! Hawaiian chicken oh. sandwich is both because oh. Arby's makes both history and sandwiches. Arby's. Oh my God! The meats. Yeah, that's that's some funny shit right there. Jardiance and Arby's back to back is fucking like real world comedy. If I just stop seeing how sad it is for just a brief moment, that shit is so yeah. funny, dude. Man. So funny. And and it it deserves to be laughed at. Yep. All right. Yep. This I'll is a th- we have a second commercial series. Okay. Parody or nah. Okay. <laughs> Looking for the good stuff. Two full servings of veggies and an excellent source of vitamins. And a whole lot of flavor. All before lunchtime. Find veggies, find a better start. Find it in V8. Okay. After cooking a delicious North Farm Stand chicken cheddar broccoli recipe, you will want to delete all your delivery apps. Which will save you tons of gigabytes for all the photos you will take of your homemade masterpiece. Unfortunately, no photo can capture the savory goodness of this perfect combo of juicy sweet tomatoes and smooth silky zucchini. You nailed it. Nor taste combos. It's not fast food, but it's so good. Anything stick out to you? There were two things about vegetables back to back. V8, mm-hmm. which presents as a... Health food, but it's not. Right. And then they moved into another that sounded just like that Arby's commercial, basically, mm-hmm. promoting some vegetable concoction that's not quite fast food, but it tastes just like it. Great. That sort of stuff is the norm, which is where you get Jardiance. So marketing and commercials are done. They only, like, companies spend money in slots where they know people that buy their products are looking at it. So what does it say about the channels that the regular occurrence of these commercials are things like the Jardiance Arby's back-to-back mixed with the mixed messaging of try these healthy things because you need to eat healthy too, so have our V8 drink and our ready home meal whatever, whatever. Right. You know, no wonder there's a huge amount of confusion. There's no wonder there's people that don't have control of their mind. Confusion is another word for lack of control in your mind. It's mind chaos. Okay? And it's funny. Let's just call it what it is. Now, uh, I I plucked this one because it's a throwback to something that we really like. I'll play the thing that we that we know. I'll play the reference first. And we're talking about practice. Remember that? Mm-hmm. All right. We're talking about cash backing. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about cash backing. We're talking about cash backing. We're not talking about practice? No. We're talking about cash backing. We're talking about cash backing. We're talking about cash backing. Not a game. We've been talking about practice for too long. Word. No practice. We're talking about cash backing. We're talking about cash backing. We're not talking about a game. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? Chase, make more of what's yours. 
That's pretty funny. That was a great, great uh, cultural reference. It's a great cultural reference. It was done by Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is, uh, he's partnered with Chase Bank in an effort to provide financial education to particularly low-income black neighborhoods, helping them understand the banking system and to be able to use it to their advantage, what I, I find really great. So you could also use this as a as a tool for getting some good messaging out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, again, you know, uh, is everything that you're going to be able to do in this world that creates influence like absolutely positively pure and there's zero side effect that negatively impact anyone ever i just i don't know that that seems like a a, a bit of a stretch to aspire to mm-hmm. uh, but i'd say that kevin hart intentionally he, he has a good literal heart and he's out there trying to create a lot of change for people and he's done he's a self-produced uh guy although he's not a self-made guy he's had very close friends his whole life and they've produce the majority of his stuff and now he's reached a certain level of notoriety where people want to you know banks like chase want to partner with him on uh uh, education initiatives and you know if chase were to be somehow corrupt that wouldn't necessarily be an indictment on kevin hart's character for trying to use the tools that are at his disposal to create change that he wants to see in the world okay yeah i'm just saying i just like the commercial it's all yeah it's a good commercial yeah and i got a couple of isos that we just that we now have as part of our regular use. So uh, I might ask you this question every day from now on that we sit down for the show. I might ask you this question, like this is going to be the very beginning. What are we talking about? (laughs) Or I need to get Dave his own button. I need to get Dave a specific button that allows him to, whenever he's confused, just go, what are we talking about? Just give me a splitter and then just like (laughs) do a one. A single (laughs) button. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about? Dave yeah. doesn't know, and I don't know either. I don't know. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. I have a uh, only a couple more ISOs. Okay, a couple more ISOs, and then we'll uh, we'll kick the music on and we'll we'll shut the show down. How about that? Sounds good. Cool. Uh, I think you sent me this one. Some are saying that you're bipolar. Wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not gonna happen. I'm by winning. <laughs> I win here and I win there. Now what? Yeah. That was fucking good. By winning, yeah. win here and I win there. I mean, you know, I'm not speaking about my recent situation. Someone's right saying that you're bipolar. <laughs> wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not going to happen. What? Well, not going to happen. He's by winning. <laughs> win here, win there. Now he wins what? there. <laughs> wins there. He wins here, wins there. Now what? Oh, man. All right. I only have one more, Dave. You ready? Yep. And uh, again, you know. Whether I'm, you know, this is a veiled reference or not. I don't know. You, you can be the judge. It's a, it's a mental illness. I mean, that's what it really is. <laughs> oh, and with that, and with that, and gentlemen, just a reminder to all the people out uh, that, may, you know, may not, may not. You You're know, fucking 10 ply, bud. what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're fucking 10 ply, bud. Yeah, just, I don't know, man. Sometimes just shit just happens. So. Um, you know, Dave, we, we took people on a journey today. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to arm them. I tried to arm them with some tools. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any more capable of protecting yourself today than when we sat down? Yeah, I do. Do you think more, you more, uh, more in aware of natural law, sovereign, like force versus violence. That's a good, good delineation there and distinction. Yeah. So yeah, because yeah. again, as the future shows are going to start to come up when we start talking about different issues, I'm going to be informed by these perspectives as I present the information. So you I think give it, me a little sneak peek here, Bob. Well, 
What do we got coming down the pipe? So I know something. You know what? Live produce show. We sure freaking can, dude. I will give you a teaser. Oh my God. Yeah. Let's see here. I'm going to give you a teaser. Yes. Ooh, I love teasers. Is this the next episode? This is a teaser of the next episode. All right, let's hear it. Look at me. Positive for Howard Marks. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks and Donald Dubin. It was take place today, April 22nd, at 0800 hours, four minutes. Oh, boy. What was that? That was, uh, uh, that was Tom Cruise and something. Uh, some Terminator type thing. You know, Back to the Future type shit. You know what? Let's just, let's just set up the next show. I can bring both of these clips back. So I've, I've executed the conversation about, I said this was going to be a tapestry Mm -hmm. because you had to listen to five and six to talk about, Hey, I think that there's mind control happening and here's some tools to protect you from said mind control. And then I get to get into topics that I believe are being used to influence people's behavior. And uh, 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 one of them is AI. Mm. AI is so hot right now. And knowing what I know about how things are used to create perception in people's minds, I just get the weird feeling that AI is a part of something that is a little more nefarious than just a technological breakthrough. So I have two clips that I'm going to use to set up the intrigue for the remaining show. Are you ready, David? Hit me with them. Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. We are going to have an incredible session. Star of the show is Nita Farahani. She's a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke, and she's so smart and so interesting. You're going to learn. Oh, she's so smart and so interesting. Listen to her title. She's a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke. Futurist and legal ethicist. Ten years ago, Dave, I considered myself a futurist philosopher. And she's so smart. It's so oh, interesting. You're going to so learn time. Smart. This is how it's going to work. So we're smart. We're going to a short video. She's going to come on stage and talk. And then we're going to do a little Q&A. Questions from the audience. And that'll be a wrap. And you'll leave enlightened and excited. So first off, a video. Uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves. just projecting the fuck out of everything. Be more productive and find love. Let's roll. Find love. Let's roll. Let's listen to that I little. That let's listen to that little projection right. right there. Talk about some fucking mind control. See the future and understand it. Make you. Know, you. Uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll. If I'm making you do something, I'm engaging in what, Dave? Is that force? That's violence. Fucking violence. I'm going to make you see the future, you peasant. Here's what it looks like. Oh, and it's going to be so great. Yeah, because she's so smart. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Your memo is finished. Your inbox is under control. And you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song. Sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure. Your state of brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. 
you can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached. I can see Dave's causing a peak rising. In your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home jamming to the music with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his co-conspirators. Isn't that going to be so awesome? Dude. What the fuck, man? It's going to be great. They're going to make us see it. Send my brainwave report to my boss. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself, dude. (laughs) Dude, dude, That's the fastest way to control the mind is to give everybody your brain data and you're going to end up in a world like this. Look at me. Positive for Howard Marks. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks and Donald Dubin. It was take place today, April 22nd. It's 0800 hours, four minutes. Not on my watch. Not for my homies, Dave. No way. No way. Play us out, P. We got to. You just cut me out like that? <laughs> Is that how you just a cold close of the show? Dude, we got we got like two minutes to play with here if we want to play this. Huh? What do we got? Nothing, man. I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, well, thank you, dear listener. And thank you, Mr. Brooks. Thank you, David. You're welcome. I think we did a great job today. I think we did a great job. Not on our watch, Dave. We're not going to let them do it to us. We're going to intervene. We're going to provide that value, and we would just love it if you provided that value back to us in the form of time, your talent, your treasure. If you'd like to make a donation to this show, you may do so by sending a Venmo or a PayPal to brooks at seriousfun.io and or at brooksmeadows at brooksmeadows. If you'd like to make a donation of your treasure and please take some time to share this rate it five stars give it to a friend and if you got anything you want to send us you got some talent like this song go ahead and send it over see you there brooks at seriousfun.io we'll see you for episode seven artificial everything oh god see you there because i was looking for somebody else god I started doing it differently. I became more in tune with nature.
picture. Now I can see. I'm like, okay, I see you. I, I see what you're doing. You're showing me signs. Showing me signs. Showing me signs. Showing me signs. Nobody is all good. Nobody is all good.